welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. You may be seated. I introduce myself. My name is Seth. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's going to be my privilege to continue our series. We've been doing a series, in case you're visiting here for the first time, we've been doing a series, uh, and we're up to part 17 tonight. Uh, and it's a series that we've called Rebels, Riots, and Revolutionaries. And uh, basically what it is, is an overview of the Book of Acts. And uh, in case you're not familiar, the Book of Acts was written some 2,000 years ago, and it was written to providers with an overview of the uh, birth and the growth of the Christian church. And uh, so far we've seen some great things, and tonight we pick up the account in chapter 18. I hope you remember that we're up to chapter 18 tonight, and basically we pick up the account somewhere between the end of uh, Paul's second missionary journey and the beginning of his third. And uh, basically what that means is that he's been going around both uh, putting strength into existing churches, but also planting new ones. Basically, he's been going around telling anybody who would care to listen the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what he was called to do. Paul was fulfilling his incredible call by God. His call was to simply preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to anybody who would care to listen. And that's what he's been doing. And we see throughout the book of Acts, his relentless approach and his relentless commitment at fulfilling God's incredible call in his life to preach the gospel. And that's where we're up to tonight. And as we have seen so far, sometimes Paul was successful, and other times not very successful. Sometimes people received and believed his message. Other times uh, people rejected it, and they stoned him and beat him up, and he was met with much persecution. But regardless almost of consequence and outcome, he continued. Despite any level of rejection, he continued. Paul was a man who knew how to handle rejection. And I think knowing how to handle rejection is a great ability because if you're like me, you have at some stage experienced some type of, re- of rejection. Uh, I know I've been rejected many times. The worship team's there laughing at me because I have tried many times get, to get in there. I've been rejected musically since I was a child. I think I've said before that many times, thank you for the false sympathy. I appreciate that. I think I've said many times before, I was actually um, not even given a chance to audition for high school musicals because I was told that I was tone deaf. Can you imagine that, me tone deaf? Absolutely. I think, no, look, maybe I am. However, I think that I'm just, like any good artist, I'm just ahead of my time, really. I think I, think I live in a time now where I don't know, singing in tune is important. I don't know. A melody is important. I don't know. One day, my true talent will be seen, but I've been rejected. Can you believe manpower rejected this once? Can you believe that? I know. I know. Hard to believe. I know. I would have put him to shame. I know. But this is true, though. My, my, this is one of the worst bits of rejection I've ever had. My wife... I'm going there, buddy. When I first asked my wife out, she rejected me. Thank you. Thank you. Give her a hard time, please. I give her a hard time all the time for it. I mean, can you imagine? She almost passed all this up. I know. I know. It's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. 
Um, I've been doing the right thing, thinking, yeah, you know, I've been reading the right signals. She likes me. I liked her. We've been going out with a group of people. And I thought, I'm just going to take the plunge and I'm going to ask her out for a coffee after church. You know, I thought, you know, surely after everything that I had seen in her, surely it was going to be, you know, no problem. So after church, I pluck up the courage and I'm there. Hey, Nick, I was just wondering if um, you want to catch up for a coffee this week sometime. Don't forget, this is the first time. You know? And she, this is what she says. And, and she actually doesn't understand why I took it so bad. But this is what she said. She goes, um, I'd love to, but I can't because I'm busy. <laughs> now, for a bloke, that's the kiss of death. That's like, it's just all over. You know? And then I said to her, oh, okay, but you, I haven't even told you when I want to see you. And she goes, oh, yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm actually busy all week. <laughs> busy all week. Now, come on, guys, what would you start thinking if somebody said that to you? So I'm going, oh, okay, rejected. All right, fine. And uh, well, what happened was the next week, she came up to me after church, uh, after the whole week thinking, what, where, where did I go wrong? What, what did I say wrong? Surely I, I, I misread all the signals. I mean, that's impossible. And anyway, after church on Sunday, she came up to me, she goes, I'm free now and I can do a coffee. How about that coffee? How good is that? Exactly. Thank you. About time. And I said to her, sorry, honey, I'm busy. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, I better not play it. that, that too cool. So we caught up afterwards. And uh, actually, since then, I did find out, and she's sitting here protesting in the front row saying, uh, she actually did have something on every night that week. And then she, she listened, she went through me, uh, through uh, with me, everything that she had on that, that week. So I believe you, honey, that's okay. Um, I don't know if I forgive you, but I, 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 I have to believe you, but uh, rejected by my beautiful wife. But look, I think most of us have felt some type of rejection, either really severe or lighthearted or as a result of confusion like that. Um, and uh, tonight in Acts 18, th- this chapter is fantastic because I think it, it's a theme that comes through really clearly. And uh, we see Paul dealing with, it, with, the, uh, with rejection. And uh, I think that if we look at how he dealt with rejection, just look at a few things, I think there's a lot that we can learn from it. So can we do that tonight? Yeah. Okay, a few people have given me permission. Thank you. I'll just preach to you through the front here. Thank you. I've, um, I've called my message tonight simply rejecting rejection. Rejecting rejection. Because I love the front-footed and decisive way that Paul actually deals with rejection. We're just going to read a few verses, verses 5 to 11. So if you have your Bibles, please open them up. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen. It simply says this. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul, he became abusive. He shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, <laughs> don't you love those names? I guess they didn't have a really bad lisp. <laughs> Titius Justus and Crispus, the synagogue leader. <laughs> Sorry. 
and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. I don't know why I did that, I'm sorry. It was just, it was just there. Uh, one night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. No one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Now, one of the things that, the first thing that I see Paul do here, in light of being rejected, is that he rejects them. He rejects rejection. He rejects it. And I think this is a crucial, crucial key for us that I, that I just want to highlight. Verse 6 says, says this, But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. I love that. He meets their rejection with rejection. He tells them where to go. I, I, I love that. And uh, it says here that he shook out his clothes in protest. Now, back then, that was, uh, that was like a really bad sign. That was like giving somebody the bird, giving somebody the finger, shaking your clothes in front. That's, that's really good. Don't try it now. <laughs> you would look a little bit strange. <laughs> somebody does something to you and you don't like it and <laughs> I'll show you. There, take that. <laughs> Walk off. Don't do that now. When I say reject like Paul, I don't mean it literally. What I mean is do what he did. Uh, he didn't sit around. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yes, uh, you can stop doing that now. Thanks for rejecting me. Um, he, uh, he didn't sit around feeling sorry for himself. He, he didn't sit around you know, trying to think of ways to please the people that were rejecting him and having a pity party. He just decisively got on the front foot and said, you reject me, well, I reject you. You have no time for me. Well, in this case, I have no time for you. I am not going to waste time on you. And I think that is something that we can learn. I think we can, we can learn a little bit from that. I think sometimes, sometimes we have to realize that irrespective of our best intentions and our best desires and uh, all our efforts and all that, wanting the best for people, sometimes people may not be ready for us. People may simply not want what we have to offer, whether it be preaching the gospel or anything else. I think that we have to decisively deal with rejection. I've been rejected in very serious ways throughout my life uh, in, in many ways. And uh, I have found that ultimately, after I finish having a little pity party for myself, I have to realize, well, these people just simply don't want me. And I have to become as decisive as this and say, well, if you reject me, then I'm going to shake my clothes, not literally, but I'm going to also reject you and move on. Sometimes we have to do that. I think we have to learn from Paul's example here. Now, you, you may be facing some type of rejection from that boy or that girl that you, know, you think is the love of your life. I don't know. You know but if, if you've been rejected by that person, don't waste time. Just, it, it may be time to move on. It may be time for you just to say, well, there's plenty of other fish in the sea, and I'm just going to focus on those fish right now, for, for, for this season right now. I, I don't know. Maybe those friends that you've been trying to impress and, and, you know, and get with for so long now, you know, and they want nothing to do with you, well, maybe perhaps it's time now for you just to turn around and reject them. And I don't mean in an abusive way, but I mean in a godly, strong way and say, well, these this people don't want anything to do with me. I'm, I'm going to walk away. We need to be decisive. We need to be decisive in our rejection. Like, just like, you know, in a sad way, my daughter, she's two years old and uh, she's um, the biggest mummy's girl you've ever seen in your life. And uh, when she's with mum, I don't exist. In fact, I just, I'm detestable when, when, when mum is around. She's there and I'm there, honey, can I have a cuddle? No! I just want to kiss. No, mummy. 
oh, honey, just, just, I just want a little cuddle. No, stop, mummy. She just, she rejects me. And I think, well, that's actually a picture of what we need to do. I think sometimes we need to, okay, you're rejecting me. This is what's happened. In, even if it's happened in the past, even if it's something that's happened in the distant past, maybe it's time for you in your heart just to look at that situation and decisively say, like my three-year-old daughter, okay, stop. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to turn a corner. I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. I'm not going to try and find this approval anymore. I'm going to decisively reject your rejection, just like Paul did. And I think it's a great, great tactic. And I know it requires strength, but I think we need to be able to do that. And um, Jesus teaches this. In Matthew 10, 14, he says, If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. You know, and, and Paul was fulfilling the spirit of this scripture here. I mean, Paul being Paul went all the way, and he didn't just do the sandals, he did his whole, his whole uh, clothes, but that's what Paul was doing. And I think, I think there's something about that, and Christ urges us, particularly when preaching the gospel. If people aren't interested, don't Bible bash them, don't stand in run them all, like Pete said this morning, and uh, with placards and, and scream at people. If people, don't, if people reject you, well, maybe it's time for you to just reject them in a godly way. Okay, so as far as rejecting rejection, I believe we need to firstly, like Paul, be absolutely decisive, shake our clothes, and maybe focus somewhere else. And uh, that's my second point. I think that once we've rejected the rejection that we're facing, we then need to refocus and refocus our efforts and refocus them well. In verse 7, it goes on to tell us, Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul's, Paul believed and were baptized. Here, we see that when facing rejection, Paul chooses to refocus. He changes his focus. In this case, he changes his focus from one group of people to another group of people, namely from the Jews to the Gentiles. He sees he's been rejected. He doesn't give up. He just refocuses. Now, this would have taken a lot for Paul to do because we read in other parts of the Bible, particularly in Romans 1.6, that he actually had a real heart for the Jews. He felt called by God. He was passionate about reaching this group of people. He felt that that was his calling. He wanted to devote his life to reaching the Jews. But as he tries, and as they reject him, I love what he does. He doesn't give up on God. He doesn't give up on his calling. He sees the situation, and he refocuses. Okay, these people are rejecting me. These people are not listening to me. I'm going to find another group of people. I'm going to fulfill what God is calling me to do. And I think it's fantastic. And as a result, we see that uh, a church was birthed in the city as a result of him being able to refocus. I think it's fantastic. I think that we can learn something from, from him from this as well. Sometimes we might need to refocus. Maybe, you know, those people that you've been trying to reach for a long time. Now, I don't mean to neglect them. I don't mean forget them. I mean, keep them in your prayers. Keep them watchful in your prayers because God may bring the right situation at some stage. I'm not, I'm not talking about just you know, completely forgetting about them, but maybe, maybe it's time for you to refocus your effort, your love, your passion, your desire on other people. Maybe it's that time. Maybe there are people in your life right now that you've been trying to, uh, trying to reach and you're not getting anywhere. Don't give up. Don't give up on your calling. Your calling is to witness. 
Your calling is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's time to simply refocus from one group to, a, to another group. I, I don't know. Maybe just think about that. Maybe right now you're just spending time with family, time with friends, time with neighbors, and you know it's been a long time, and there's just, you, you know that it's just not going to happen for a long time. Maybe. Maybe, maybe this is God's way that uh, for a season you need to just refocus on somebody else. But don't give up. You know, it's, it's not for us to win. It's for, God, it's, it's for us to witness. God wins. We just witness. God does the winning. And if we're not winning, well, maybe, maybe God just wants us to focus on someone else, just like Paul did here. Um, I remember when I was um, teaching in, um, in public schools, I, I'm passionate. One of my many passions is to teach the Word of God to young people. I love sharing Jesus with young people. I just I love doing that. And that's one of the reasons why I love teaching. But I was getting frustrated in, in public schools because, you know, you're not allowed to talk about your faith. And I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. But I still felt called to do that. And luckily, I was able to change and refocus because then I went and got a job in a Christian school where I can openly share my faith. So I actually, I didn't give up on my, on my, on, on my call. I refocused my call. And uh, as a result, I've seen fruit. Uh, I've, um, some of you have ended in this church as a, as a result. Some other, others have ended up in other, other, other churches. But I, I was able to refocus uh, my calling. So maybe, in your case, it's also time to refocus. I, I'm not sure. You have to think about it in, in your own situation. But maybe you're wasting too much time, too much energy, um, too, too much of your, of, of your own effort on people that you know maybe it's time to refocus from. Uh, Jesus himself also modeled this. He says, I have come to seek and save that which was lost. I mean, even Jesus had to seek even Jesus had to turn his back and refocus on, on, on other groups. Sometimes he'd look at us and say, woe to you. You don't believe anything. I'm going somewhere else. Even Jesus had to seek. Maybe it's time to, for us to do a little bit more seeking in terms of our witnessing. Or maybe you can translate this to other areas of your life. I'm not sure. But maybe it's time right now to consider your situation and go, well, like Paul, like Paul, I may need to refocus my efforts. Not, don't give up. If you've given up on witnessing or if you've given up on whatever it is that you wanted to do, just be encouraged by this. Say, so, well, maybe I shouldn't have given up. Maybe I shouldn't have thrown out the, the baby with the bathwater. Maybe I just need to refocus my efforts somewhere else, just like Paul did. And um, after you've uh, rejected and refocused, uh, I love the way that this, this verse continues because then... It's time to rest assured. It's time to rest assured. Let's have a read. In verse 9 it says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Paul here confronts the rejection by resting assured that Jesus was going to be with him. Jesus was going to be with him. I think that's just awesome. I think that's just great to remember. And I think that's what we need sometimes as well, a revelation that you know, people may reject us. We might have been rejected by people, but there is one who is never, ever going to reject you. I think that tonight, maybe some of you have, have experienced that rejection by people in your life. Maybe some of you have just become Christians recently 
And I know one of the things that I had to come to terms with as I was growing in my faith, after having been rejected in my life, um, was just to learn that God is never going to reject me. God, by his own design, by his own choosing, is actually incapable of rejecting. It doesn't matter what I do or what I don't do. God will never reject me. People may reject me, but God never will. And I think tonight, some of you need that revelation. Some of you need a vision. Some of you need a reminder. Some of you need a conviction that there is a God who accepts you and there's a God who is echoing these words that he gave to Paul some 2,000 years ago. Do not fear because I am with you. Do not fear because I am with you. And what I love about that is that he says to Paul, do not fear because you're so talented or because you're so clever or because you're so qualified. He doesn't say, do not fear because there'll be nothing to fear, because you won't have trouble, because people won't try to kill you. He doesn't say any of that. He just simply says, do not fear just for one reason and one reason only. Do not fear because I am with you. You have the living God who will never leave you nor forsake you. See, what, what the world rejects, God accepts. You might get rejected by the world because of your weaknesses, because you're not good enough, because you're not smart enough, because you're not strong enough. But that's exactly what God accepts. And not only does he accept, accept it, but it's actually the basis for why he accepts you. It's the reason why he accepts you. When we admit our weakness to him, then he accepts us. So everything that you've, you've everything, just picture it right now. Everything that you've ever been rejected for in your life, those very reasons qualify you for God's love. What the world rejects, God accepts. In, um, in 1 Corinthians 1.27, I'll read it out to you. It says, For God chooses the weak and foolish things of the world. God chooses the weak and foolish things of the world. Anyone been weak in the past? Anyone being rejected for being foolish? Anyone being rejected for not being good enough? Fear not, because God is with you. And it is those things that actually qualify you for his incredible, unconditional love. See, God, as I said, by design, can't reject you. I mean, I think it's just an amazing thought that we can reject God. Maybe some of you have rejected God, but God will not and cannot reject us. And I think that's just an incredible thought. There's a scripture that I'd like to share with you. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite scriptures um, when I've had you know, difficult times in my life. It's one of those, you know, you've got scriptures that you always fall back onto. Uh, this is one of them. I'll just make sure that I get it right. Um, it's in uh, John 6, 37. And I'll just read it out to you. It simply says this. This is Jesus speaking. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Jesus will never reject you. Irrespective of what you do or what you don't do. Irrespective of how good you are or how bad you are. 
Once you come to the living God, there is absolutely nothing that can separate you from his love. There is absolutely nothing that can get in the way. He will never look at you and reject you. His promises, I will never, ever drive you away. And I think that's just an incredible promise for us to meditate on tonight. Can I just ask you to stand? I'd like to just to uh, pray for all of us that this, this word gets deep into our hearts. Um, as I said, I think it's something that we, we, we will always have to face and deal with. I think it's something that uh, will continue to come up in our lives. We've all experienced it in the past, and I'm sure that we will continue to experience it into the future. But I just want us to pray that um, through God's Spirit, His help, His power, that we are able to walk out some of these keys and be able to walk out um, some of these incredible, incredible things that uh, Paul was able to implement in his life um, so that we also may be able to walk in the victory and be able to walk in the freedom that Paul was able to walk in. I'd love to just, uh, just uh, pray for us tonight. Our Heavenly Father, I just want to come before you tonight and uh, thank you so much. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that your word does us good and it challenges us and it makes us grow. Father, tonight as we've um, looked over the theme and the word of, um, of rejection, Father, I pray that tonight, firstly, you would heal hearts. Father, I pray that you would come right now. I, I can sense, I know your Holy Spirit is here right now, doing what only you can do, Lord. And that's setting captives free. And that's mending broken hearts. And I thank you that you're doing that right now, this very moment. Father, I thank you that no matter what type of rejection people have faced before, your love is greater, your grace is stronger, your presence is more powerful and more beautiful. And I pray, Lord, that tonight all of us would draw strength and sustenance and courage from the very same words that you spoke to Paul some 2,000 years ago, that we need not fear anymore, that we need not feel like failures anymore, that we need not keep looking back, but Lord, where we can look forward to a future where we need not fear because you will never leave us and never forsake us. Father, I pray that this will become a conviction afresh, a revelation afresh in all of our lives, in all of our hearts, in Jesus' mighty name. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.